You are listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and today I'm being joined by Tim Pollard. Tim gives leadership to the kids, Explore the Bible. So, Tim, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me here. We're looking at session five of our summer 2022 study of First and Second Kings. We're looking at First Kings chapter 15, verses 9 through 22. And the main focus here are the reforms of Asa. Passage is broken down in three different ways. First, what, first section is entitled wholehearted, then cornered, and then resolved. That first section, wholehearted, covers verses 9 through 15 of chapter 15. In these verses... Asa, he's become the king of Judah, and he followed David's example and did what was right in God's sight. He removed cultic worship practices and idols, and even though he did not take away all the high places, he was fully devoted to God and returned and added to the silver, gold, and utensils set aside for temple use. The key takeaway for us is that God expects the leaders of his people to wholeheartedly follow him. Verses 16 through 19, we've entitled Cornered. The king of Israel warred against King Asa. Baasha fortified Ramah, creating a blockade that prevented trade with Judah. Asa gathered the palace and temple treasures and offered Ben-Hadad, who, by the way, is the king of Aram, a gift if he would break his treaty with King Baasha. The point for us is that we must guard our hearts when facing difficulties. Verses 20 through 22, we've entitled Resolved. In these verses, we find Ben-Hadad takes the gift and attacks several cities of Israel, which forces Baasha to abandon the building of the blockade at Ramah. King Asa led the people of Judah to repurpose the building materials left at Ramah, and they built Geba and Mizpah thing we should walk away from that particular section is that God is always faithful. So we've got these three points, wholehearted, cornered, and resolved. Uh, one of the things we see here um, is that there was some dangers for Asa taking these actions. I mean, he was king, but yet there were dangers involved in the things that he did here. Um, what were some of those dangers, Tim, to help us think through that? Well, I mean, Obviously, the first danger was that he was the king. <laughs> yeah. And uh, really, I mean, his leadership was going to set the tone for what the nation was going to do. His leadership was going to be there to give them an example to follow. And if he's making unwise decisions or leading the nation in a way that wasn't going to be God honoring, then, then that obviously was going to be a huge danger. Uh, but not just that. I mean, political danger. Um, he could have. He could have angered um, Ben-Hadad and, and forced Ben-Hadad to fight him instead of, instead of going and, and fighting Israel, which is what Asa really wanted to do. Um, so, but obviously, you know, the biggest takeaway is that as the king, he is the spiritual leader of the nation and, and his leadership and his uh, path was something that the people were going to follow. So. David is the standard here. Mm -hmm. um, what are the pros and cons of David being the standard? 
<laughs> and then once again, you know, I, one of the things that I just wrote down as I was making some of these notes is that, my goodness, I mean, David was called a man after God's own heart. How, how are you going to live up to that? Um, but the reality of it is that, you know, David was a human too, and um, a desire to live in the in the way that David lived was going to be something that that was going to serve Asa well in his in his walk and in his life and in the way that he chose to to become a follower of God. So obviously, you know, uh, one of the pros to doing that would be that you know, you wanted to be a man after God's own heart too. Uh, you wanted to desire to be just like David was. But one of those cons was, you know, trying trying to live up to an unrealistic standard. Uh, because as I've already said, I mean, David was a person too. He was human, just like everybody else. And, um, you know, he had his faults and his flaws. And I think a lot of times maybe, because Asa we have to remember was fairly well removed from the the life and times of David. You would have had Solomon, then you would have had Rehoboam and the divided kingdom, and then mm -hmm. uh, his father was uh, Abijah. Several generations right. removed from David at that point. Sure, and it, you know he could have heard stories, and as we're all familiar with, stories sometimes can get glorified over the years. So you know he may have had an unrealistic expectation of what it what it meant to have David as his standard, but, but that was a choice that he made. And I think that was a great decision on his part to, to follow the, the kingship and the commitment of David instead of following that of his father or his grandfather or his great grandfather. So. And the Bible skill in this particular lesson points to using an atlas to help understand the topography of this area. What role does geography play in us understanding this story? Well, geography is very important because um, when the nation of Israel split into two, the northern kingdom had 10 tribes that, that followed Jeroboam uh, to become what we term as the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, so the remainder of those tribes just uh, were the followers of Rehoboam. So there were fewer people living in the southern kingdom of what we call Judah. Um, so you had the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah, and the northern kingdom really um, comprised the majority of the land that had been dedicated or given to those uh, tribes early when they first moved into the promised land. Um, so the northern kingdom of Israel already controlled the majority of the, of the land that was there. So by fortifying the city of Ramah, what Baesha was really doing was trying to make sure that trade routes into and out of the kingdom of Judah were blocked. Um, so he wanted to make sure that nobody was coming in and nobody was going out and that there weren't anything to do uh, for the people, um, basically blockading them, trying, in essence, I guess, just to starve the people out. Um, no goods could come in. They had to rely on what they had. So, but that also posed another problem when Asa did decide that what he wanted to do was seek out Ben Hadad in Damascus. He, he had to go pretty much around the world to get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, typically, you know, people would have crossed over in, in uh, Jericho, but 
Israel already controlled that land, so he, he basically had to send his troops around the south, southern end of the Dead Sea and, and back around through lands east of the Jordan River to, to get to Damascus. It was strategic at that, in that sense at that point. Absolutely. So, I mean, and Ben-Hadad basically did the same thing uh, when he came to fight Israel. I mean, he started attacking things that were in the northern areas um, just to, to try to get some of that land for himself as well. Asa starts off strong by doing all the reforms in verses 9 through 15. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then he shows this lack of faith uh, by turning, basically bribing Ben-Hadad instead of just trusting God simply to take care of him. But yet he's still viewed as a good king. How would he have been viewed as a good king in light of him not demonstrating faith in God at that point? Pretty much the same way that David is viewed as a good king. Um, you know, we've already talked about it. We're, we're human. Uh, these kings were human. One of, the, one of the things I love to talk about when we talk to kids and Bible stories is to think about the people that we're talking about. Because a lot of times, you know, we think that these people were superhuman. They were extra. They were above what we are. But the reality is they, they weren't. They were real people just like us. And, um, you know, Asa was confronted with things that, that led him into sin. And David was confronted with things that led him into sin. We're confronted with things that lead us into sin as well. And, um, but I think ultimately these kings were viewed as good or bad or followers of God or faithful followers of God based on the totality of what their kingship was about, not isolated incidences. Um, so it says, you know, scripture t tells us that Asa did remove the, the high places. He removed the worship of these false gods. He led the people to, to faithfully follow God. And he tried to be the, the example for that throughout his life. And I think that's how he's identified as a good uh, king. I, I do find it refreshing that that in the Bible, there's no sugar coating of the people who we revere. Mm -hmm. They're, we're showing their warts <laughs> and all. Uh, it is true. And I, I think one of the, one of the things that I like to try to do when we're having those discussions is to talk about that with kids and let them see, you know, here's this great Bible story that we're sharing about whoever, but, you know, they also did things that, that weren't honoring to God and, and weren't. You know, like I said before, you know, we didn't, maybe Asa held David up to a higher standard than he probably should have been. And maybe we do the same thing yeah. too, right? We, maybe we hold these people up to a, a standard that's unrealistic and unattainable. And, and yeah, we, we don't forget that, that they have a human element to them as well, not just the hero part of them. You mentioned the things that he did of removing the cultic worship practices, the idols. And one of the things I find interesting about chapter 15 of First Kings is the word that's translated uh, obscene image or idol in the King James here. Like in verse 13, it's used twice. Uh, it's only used eight times in the Old Testament. And all eight times are in 1 Kings 15. Uh, that's noted uh, in the key words in Quick Source and the Daily Discipleship Guide. So that lets us know if this is the only place that that's worded, that that word is used, how wretched and horrible and obscene this particular idol was because it's not mentioned anywhere else in scripture 
And we would think that that would be used somewhere else. But this is, you know, they're talking about the idol that's set up by Asa's grandmother, uh, which, by the way, also happened to be the daughter of Absalom, which, if you remember, she's the one who led the, or excuse me, Absalom, not she. Absalom was the one who led the revolt against David. And then she's the one that has introduced Asherah worship uh, into uh, Jewish culture here. And typically the queen mother would still be in, in power in some form or fashion uh, until she died. But that's not what happens here. Asa removes her from power, destroys the, the worship practices she set up. There's a lots of history for him to have to overcome here and some family dynamics that we probably don't, we probably don't fully appreciate. Uh, particularly in light of who his grandmother was and who is that would be his great grandfather would have been Absalom at that point on that side of the tree. And then on the other side, David would have been as involved in this too through Rehoboam, which would have been through Solomon. So uh, you have multiple forks in this tree that are that led to the complexity of it. How can we encourage others to break from unhealthy and ungodly family practices like what Asa has done here with his family? Um, one of the things that I really, I mean, this literally just jumped off the page at me when I was reading through the PSG, and it, this quote says, where we have come from does not have to dictate where we are going, and, and I really gravitated to that because that, that is such an important truth because our past doesn't have to dictate our future, and I think that's the tack that that Asa took, um, he, he decided, you know what, I don't like where we're going. I don't like these practices that are here. My dad did it. My granddad did it. But that doesn't mean it's right. And that doesn't mean that it's okay for the nation to follow. So he made a conscious choice to pattern his life after who he considered his ultimate role model, and that was David. And you know, today we really have the, the same choice. We have the same benefit and we have an even better role model to follow in Jesus. And, you know, we can make that choice. We can, we can choose to pattern our life after Jesus, or we can choose to, to pattern our life after circumstances and situations that are, that are trying to take over and control us. And, you know, it's, Families are messy, and they always have been, and they always will be. Um, but but we ultimately do have a choice in how we direct our lives, how we live our lives, and who we choose to follow uh, in our lives. And I think that's that doesn't mean that we don't have history to overcome ourselves. I mean, because we all do. You know, I can think back on my life and think about you know what are what are some of the choices and. What are some of the things? Another point that really had come out in that in this study, and, and y'all will see this when you when you get into it, is that you know what what would have happened had Asa chosen to trust God to begin with instead of taking matters into his own hands? And you know, I, I think about that a lot in my life too. You know, are there were there decisions that I made that would have truly benefited me in a much better way had I just trusted in God and try instead of trying to do things my own way. But then I have to remember, you know, I am where I am today because of maybe some of those choices and some of the decisions that, yeah. that I made that maybe weren't 
God's best for me, but, but God has still worked out. And you, and you learn from that. You learn from those mistakes or right. uh, fail. I don't know if it's a mistake, failure. I don't know how to word that. Those lacks, those times we had lack of faith, we learn from those and it strengthens us for the future. Because for me, I don't want to go down some of those paths again, but they also shape how I feel and think today too. So, and there are ministry opportunities that I have because of those. So, you know, I have connection with people who are in situations that were similar or are similar to, to things that I've experienced. So I can have those healthy conversations and say, you know, this is, this is where I was and this is what I learned through it. One so, thing that you hear so much today, I think, is that it's awful. It's, it's a challenge for people to come out of a secular background, secular family, and then live a life that's honoring to God. But I think you have to say Asa would be an example of somebody who came out of a secular family, um, a pagan Absolutely. family in that sense, and yet uh, mm -hmm. committed his life to God uh, and faithfully executed the things that needed to be executed in his life to demonstrate his commitment to God. Uh, in the leader guide, uh, the, the idea for when we're, used, when we're looking at uh, 1 Kings 15, 9 through 15, is for us to create a chart on a board or a large piece of paper. We use two headings. One's family practices, and the other one that suggested is commitment to God. I'm probably going to use the title Steps Towards God for that second column. And then we are to direct the group to reread the verses and then name things that were family practices that were in place when Asa came to power. We'll list those, go through the personal study guide or the daily discipleship guide, explain what those mean, those kind of things. And then we call on the group to list the things that Asa did to demonstrate his commitment to God or what I'm saying are steps towards God and list those under the on the right hand side and then you know, use information from, once again, from the PSG and the DDG, Data Subship Guide, whichever one our group's using, to compare and contrast those things. It leads us to asking this question, which is in the personal study guide and in the daily discipleship guide, which is what we've been talking about, is what advice would you give to someone who wants to break with destructive family traditions and practices? And so I, I, what I can see happening is that the focus of our class becomes verses 9 through 15. And we don't really get to verses 16 through 22. We may touch on them, but I can see that a bunch of my time in my class on this particular day is going to could be focused on dealing with that one section. And I would just remind folks, that's okay. Uh, if you don't get to the rest, then remind folks, you've got a copy of the personal study guide or the daily discipleship guide. Read it for yourself this afternoon. See what, what you find out about the rest of the story. But if we only deal with that issue, then that's okay. Now, some classes, they may just fly right by that and get on to the to verses 16 through 22. But I'm anticipating that that's going to be a place where we're going to camp some. All of us have some type mm -hmm. of destructive family tradition or practice that we either trying to overcome or that we won't overcome. And we have advice that we would give to other family members, which I think there could be some healthy discussion in our groups around that subject uh, uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, are there other key ideas or thoughts you would share from this particular study? Um, nothing really that jumps to mind. I, I think 
uh, this is going to be a great study. Well, Tim, thank you for being with us today. From time to time, we mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family. You can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources, including the ones that Tim works on for kids, by going to our website. That's goexplorethebible.com. You, you'll see places you can click on different sections, adult, student, and kids, and it'll give you all the information about our resources. I want to thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope you'll join us next week. We'll be looking at session six. Bob Bunn will be joining me. We'll be looking at 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 25 through 39. And our main focus during that study is that only God is worthy of our worship. Mm-hmm.